Hey, John, by chance, do you remember um, the first time we met and the advice I gave to you? <laughs> you said, well, what you really need, what you really need to do is wear shoes, you know, because I was wearing flip flops. You know, <laughs> No one's going to take you seriously if you're not wearing shoes. And so from that day forward, like I remember like the next day I went out and got myself a pair of shoes and I was like, I'm only wearing shoes because before and I was just I was just, you know, I lived near the beach. I was wearing flip flops. And so. Yeah, I would wear flip flops to the club. I'd wear them on stage, and you know, uh, a, a comic you and I know. It's you know, the comics usually the best dressed in the room. That's the best best way to go most of the time. But I and I, then I remember I was catching up on the podcast. I, I went back and listened to all the episodes. You know, back in the back into the Gavin days, and I remember one podcast you mentioned it, and I was like, Ah, he's talking about me. <laughs> I wanted to yell through my phone. I'm wear I wear shoes now. I'm wearing them. So, you know what's so. funny. That show was at a church, and I, I thought, is he doing this because Jesus wore sandals? Is he is he really yeah, right? Really going for that niche crowd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Roberts, a shoe-wearing comedian. Hey, I've got a great episode today with John Feltz. He's going to give us tips on how to customize your show with comedy specific for a client. He's going to talk about how to produce your own comedy shows, and we'll discuss a little bit of how you can maintain a life and comedy balance. John is a great comedian, has a full-time job as well, produces the comedy shows on the side, and is just kind of hustling across the board. So he'll give us some great insights on how you can do all that and keep your sanity. I would like to thank our Patreon supporter for this episode, Jeremy Lee. Jeremy Lee is from the Pacific Northwest, yet to meet him, but I may coming up on a couple of shows I'm doing. If you're in that area, feel free to pop out to these shows as well. January 25th in Centralia, Washington, just south of Seattle, and Raymond, Washington on the 26th. Those are both open to the public, as well as January 20th in Whiteville, North Carolina. All three of those shows are fundraisers. There's no ticket price. Uh, there's just a suggestion for some donations during the show. So great chance for you to come out catch a show with no charge if you like to save dollars and see comedy i also have two shows in early february the first and the seventh at tbn studios in hendersonville tennessee where we do the taping for the huckabee show feel free to check out that you can go to huckabee ticks online and get free tickets to those shows all right let's get into this episode with john feltz <laughs> Hey, John Feltz. How's it going, sir? Hey, what's up, Rick? How are you, man? Man, I'm doing all right. I've been uh, enjoying a little break after the holidays here and uh, ready to get back into things. How about yourself? Uh, doing just fine. Yes, also a wonderful break, uh, as much as it can be. And um, it's wonderful to be on your podcast and uh, join the ranks of the fine people who have been on it before. Well, we've had some good ones, and I'm glad to add you to it. Uh, for people that don't know you, real quick, let's just talk about uh what your home situation is uh kids wife that kind of thing and then i'll get into your comedy career i've got two children uh one and three and i'm married live in wilmington north carolina uh started comedy before that so <laughs> it certainly has uh certainly does complicate things but certainly wouldn't trade it so i'm loving living here on the coast and 
if anything, the kids helped provide some great material. So they've been just a, a wonderful blessing in addition. Yeah, no doubt about that. And since comedy started before all the family, everybody knows what they're in for from the very beginning, which is also kind of helpful, I think. Yeah, and that that was intentional. We definitely, you know, kind of made this leap and decision together purposely before we planned on having kids because we know we knew the risks and kind of counted up the costs. And so we thought, well, this is kind of the time to, to give it a try. Not that you couldn't give it a try, but it certainly does pose a lot less risk and you know uh was definitely uh part of the part of the decision <laughs> yeah and how long have you been married now i've been married eight years i actually just celebrated my eight year anniversary we got married on the first of january so passed by year number eight man you're, you're smart in a lot of ways get it get get married on it on an easily memorable date <laughs> Yeah, right. It was it was one 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 one. So definitely also intentional. Just uh, e- easy to remember there. 2011, January 1st. Not hard. Now I have to wonder when did you meet her? Like 10 years before that, but you're just waiting for the right date to line up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> gotcha. And just real quick, how old are you? Uh, I'm 33. Um, I, I definitely look a little bit younger. Um, and that poses its own challenges and advantages, but yeah, I'm 33 started when I was 20, started professionally when I was 26, took the leap, quit my job when I was 26. Were you in marketing after college? Is that what you started off into? Yeah. Well, yeah, just uh, marketing sales. I took a, I took a management position that kind of was a a jack of all trades. You do marketing, you do sales, you kind of, you simply kind of run a few branches of the company and kind of try to work your way up. So I, I went to school for business just because I, I really always did try and play it safe and very much close to the line as I could. I wasn't a huge risk taker when it came to kind of the important decisions in life. And so when I did finally make that leap, it was pretty uh, pretty unlikely, pretty unlike me and um, was definitely uh, one of the few times I was I was going to do something like that. So That's cool. And how long you said you'd been doing comedy before you took the leap? Was it several years, three or four? Or? But first, first time on stage, I was 18. It was an amateur competition in college. I, I'd always been a joker. And I thought, you know, if there's going to be a time to give it a shot, you know, this would, this would be it. And it, it felt, you know, I didn't kill, but I didn't bomb, just kind of felt like treading water. And so each year, the same competition happened. And then on my fourth year as a senior in college, I actually won the competition um, but then, you know, there was, I live in a kind of a smaller city. It's Wilmington, North Carolina. There's not too much happening here. It, it's just the right size, but a comedy club opened up about a year after I started working, just started going there for, for open mics and kind of just, uh, kind of just snowballed after that. So I, you know, first time on stage was 18, started really getting into it in my early twenties when I was working and, you know, 23, 24, and then took the leap at uh, 26. Gotcha. And I'd imagine some of those business and marketing skills have helped you since in comedy, right? Uh, yeah. Um, certainly the, the customer service aspect of it um, has helped me a lot. You know, it, it's really funny. The actual on stage and telling jokes is really only a part of the business. Uh, being, I, I have found that being easy to work with and being friendly just goes so far. It can really help you out if your show wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And it can also, you know, make you seem really down to earth if you have a really great show. So it kind of it, it works on both levels. But that customer service aspect has really positioned me uh, well, um, j- uh, just because um, a-, a lot of folks don't like working with someone who can really be over the top or that's really difficult. And um, 
a lot of folks don't know how to interact with uh, with people and, and customers. They kind of just make it all about themselves. And so I was really grateful for the, the skills that taught me in that area. What are some uh, tips you could offer some people as far as comics who may be introverts or a little too focused on themselves? What are some things you could tell them they could try to do to connect a little bit better with their the people that hire them? Well, I mean, just uh, I would use the golden rule, you know, um, treat others as you want to be treated. I think we've all worked with someone who's difficult before. We've all had to deal with someone whose standards are just real high. And it's especially awkward when they're not really bringing a lot to the table. You know, I had guys when I would do comedy competitions or when I would do contests, you know, there were guys who just thought the world of themselves and they really weren't special. I think just having a humble attitude, realizing that you're not going to wake up tomorrow and be Jerry Seinfeld. You're not Chris Rock. You're really just, you know, an average guy trying to give it a go is the best way to go about it. And again, it, it works in all situations. If you kill, you know, you have a great humble attitude. People are eager to work with you. And if you, you know, if you bomb, like we all do, we've all had a bomb show. You didn't puff yourself up and, you know, make people think you were more than you are. So just a big thing that's helped me is I started producing shows and putting on shows. And that really gives you a view into the other side of the coin. So I'd say, you know, do competitions, you know, think about who you like, who who hasn't worked well and just treat others as you want to be treated. It can be as simple as that. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about producing your own shows because you've got a clean comedy series that you run uh, close to where you're at. What are... Um First, tell us about the series, and I'll get into some of the things that comics are doing well to get on your radar and maybe some things that comics have done that kind of backfired and didn't get them into your show. No, oh, well, for sure. Um, well, it, it started because I had pretty much performed at every, you know, every church here in town. I, I do a lot of Christian comedy, and so, you know, in your hometown, you kind of max out your, your, your time and your ability. Um, I did that very early on because that's how I got my start, so... Um, after I kind of maxed out as much as my material about two hours, you know, I did every church either once or twice. I thought, well, what else can I do? You know, listening to your last podcast, I'm always looking for a side hustle. I'm always looking for another way to make money. And so, um, cause that's kind of just what you have to do. And so I thought, well, I'll just start producing shows. You know, I've been doing this long enough. And so I'll just start putting on shows and just like anything comedy related, you think it's going to be very easy and simple. <laughs> like, Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just put on a show everyone will show up, I'll sell out and, you know, I can make money and give to charity and pay these comics, whatever they want. It'll be, it'll be simple, you know, and you learn very quickly, uh, just that that's not the case. And so it's been a fun learning experience, but, uh, also a great way to grow and really appreciate those who are putting on shows that you get to perform at, um, because there's a lot more, just like anything else that goes into it than you thought. So I just started, started to start putting on shows because I'd maxed out my time here looking for something fun to do, something I knew and was kind of good at and that I had, you know, some experience doing. So I really enjoyed it. We, we've got our sixth show coming up here at the end of January, but we've been doing it for about a year and a half. And I just decided to do it quarterly. I didn't want to do it too often to where people could say, oh, I'll go to the next one. But I didn't want to do it so sparingly that people, you know, forget about it. So I just kind of do it quarterly, trying to build the brand and um, we wanted to have it be for a good cause as well. So we give a, a good portion of the money to the domestic violence shelter. And I've had a great time getting to meet just some amazing comics who have been uh, wonderful and willing to, to come and spend time uh, with us here. As far as comics I look for, I, I try to, you know, we're, we're on a budget. We're not a, a huge room. We're not a comedy club. And we give some of the money to charity. So I've got to find comics who are 
hopefully going to be in the area or, or at least nearby or that I can do some kind of trade with and try my best to um, work within a budget. And that took time to develop too. I, I started just by being, you know, spending galore. I'll get whoever I want. I'll spend this much on advertising, but you learn very quickly just that you're at the mercy of how much money you're actually going to make. So it's been a really fun process and um, I, I've, I've had a, a great time being able to do it. What kind of uh, venues are you putting the shows on? in? Well, it, it started with, um, uh, I, I knew a guy who was opening the theater and it started with him asking me, you know, like, Hey, do you, you know, are you interested in giving me some names or helping produce shows? And it was going to be for a very little amount of money. Um, and when you do a, a, a theater, there's a, a lot of money has to go a lot of different ways. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, the theater actually shut down and went out of business and, um, just cause of some, uh, I think it was just some code stuff, you know, very insignificant things. And so I, I had already booked this guy. I had already told him and paid his deposit and everything. So I was like, you know, snap, I got to find another venue. So <laughs> luckily the, the wonderful folks at my home church, um, agreed to let me kind of rent out the building and just use the space. And so I started, um, using, uh, this church and another church, if my church wasn't available, I would just use this other church. And so I've been using churches. They have um, a built-in audience. They have um, great venues, great setups typically. And I've been real fortunate to have some wonderful um, churches around town that have allowed me to uh, either rent their space or give it to me for a, a lower cost if it's, you know, uh, for a good cause. It comes with its advantages and it comes with its disadvantages. But, you know, that's kind of going to be with any venue that you use. So. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a second, because I think, and I think you even posted about it somewhere, uh, looking for tips on how, how you advertise a clean show uh, without necessarily saying it's a clean show, and also if you're going to have it in a church, people who might like clean comedy but not be willing to go into a church, you've got some barriers there. What what have you found that, that helps work and maybe still struggling with in that area? Basically... Um you know, a, a really great comic told me one time, you need to just be as universal as possible um, when you're when you're trying to find a crowd. As, even fishing with the biggest net is a big help. So you want to get the people that want clean comedy, but you also want the people that you know might not come into a church. You also want people that would come into a church. And so you want to cast uh, a, a big net. That's kind of been my goal. And so um, I think uh, I think Derek. Um, uh, left arm comedy uh, said it best. He had a great name for his called uh, bleep free comedy. So, you know, it wasn't too spiritual and over the top there, but it also wasn't too, you know, um, too, uh, you know, not, not in that direction as well. So uh, the challenge for me has just been trying to find someone that's universally appealing. You don't want someone that's going to only attract old people. You don't want someone that's only going to attract young people. You kind of try to find a middle ground of someone who's, you know, performed for a variety of audiences. Um, the other thing that helps is being able to get a variety of comics. So getting, um, you know, racially diverse comics or, uh, getting female comics, getting male comics, getting comics on the upper end of the spectrum age wise, and sometimes on the younger end so that people understand, Oh, there's going to be a variety, but we're going to have a winner each time. And so for me, it's been, let's use a big net. Let's cast out and get as, as many people as possible you know, I don't have to call it a, a Jesus spiritual white horse landing comedy show. The fact that I'm having it in a church should be enough evidence for people who might like Christian comedy to be able to come, you know? So I just decided to go with clean getaway. So people know it's going to be a clean show. 
but it's not necessarily, you know, um, uh, pushing the barriers on people who might not step into a church. And we don't hold it on a Sunday morning. You know, it's usually on a, a weekend night. It's next to a bar. So, you know, I've had plenty of folks um, uh, come out who wouldn't traditionally walk in, walk into our church. I also let a local open. I, I left someone who's not a Christian comedian, but who agrees to be clean, come and open the show. And so while they're not doing Christian comedy, they are doing clean comedy. And it's a good bridge to maybe even try to get people to come into the church uh, who would never come there anyway. Um, you, I, I'm a spiritual guy, you know, um, my faith plays a big role in my life. So I've got a secondary goal, which is to get people to come into the church in the first place. So, you know, I'll, I'll use any tool that I can. So it really works on a lot of fronts. I like that. And I like the fact, too, that you mentioned having a, a diverse lineup, because I tell you, it, it's tricky. Most of my friends are just like me, old white guys, and I, I don't want to do a show where it's just three. It looks like Mount Rushmore up there. We're all got receding hairlines. We're old. And somebody looks up there like, none of those guys look like me, so I'm not going to go to that show. Uh, and plus, I think it's you're always shortchanging the audience if you assume that they just want other people like you up there. I think you know, to diversify your uh, artists will diversify your audience as well, and the more people you get in the door, the better for sure. Well, and, and remember, a lot of people who look like you are going to have the same perspective as you. So if you're older, you know, if you're an older white guy, you're going to tell a lot of jokes about you know things that affect your life. Whereas if you're a young black man or a middle-aged woman, you know, those, you'll have things that um, uh, appeal to you. Now, each comic that I look at, I look that, okay, they're speaking from their experience, but they're also universally appealing. Of course, whenever you perform, you're going to speak things from your own perspective, and that's good, but how much can you speak to other people's perspective? I mean, a big part of comedy is trying to find things that we all notice. So, and as a performer, you have to uh, assume that in the diverse age we live in, your audience is going to be that way too. So, um, you know, it, again, it, 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 it plays to, uh, it, it plays to all fronts. Yeah. And you know, this, that's been a realization for me the last couple of years is I used to think that the best comedy was always stuff we could all relate to. And, and many times it is, but some of the stuff I laugh hardest at is stuff I wasn't paying attention to that somebody else brought to my attention and that's going to be done more often from somebody that doesn't have the same perspective as me. And that's not to say that niche isn't important. I mean, the reason a lot of comics are successful is because they appeal to a, a completely niche market. There's definitely a time and a place for that. But right now, when you're just getting off the ground, you need as many customers as possible. And that means, you know, casting a, casting a wide net at first, and then you could possibly narrow it in. But, you know, clean comedy can all is already kind of a, a, a narrow approach. So, um, you know, uh, you kind of just have to play it as smart as you can. Right. And let's talk just a second about how you promote the event. Uh, let, let's say you've got already somebody in mind for October or, or something like that. Um, how many, how many weeks out do you start promoting it and what channels do you use to get the word out? So I put them on quarterly, and as soon as I'm done with one, I start the next. Um, I, I, again, it, and it's a learning experience. I, I'm definitely not an expert. I've had to learn just by trial and error. Um, I, I try to get as much advice as I can, but you know, it's not um, it's not a commonly practiced market. So uh, at first, I thought I'll pay the comic whatever they ask, and I'll buy as much advertising as I can afford. And I'll go over the top, I'll be on radio, I'll print a bunch of posters, I'll spend all this time going around town. But what really helped me is, and again, once I started going over budget and losing money, I started to learn I can't do that. I have to really 
narrow and pick which ones work best. And so what's really helped me is I use, um, to sell tickets, I use the program brownpapertickets.com, which has just been phenomenal. It's, uh, it's easy to use, which to me is, is the most important thing is ease of use. Is it easy for people to buy a ticket? But you can make part of buying a ticket is they have to answer questions. And so one of the required questions I ask is, how did you hear about it? You know, was it radio? Was it Facebook? Was it posters? Was it a friend? Was it our newsletter? And I found out, you know, I wasn't targeting the right people on Facebook. Just Facebook wasn't being friendly to us or something. But no one had heard about us on Facebook. And I spent a ton of money on, on Facebook ads. And most people heard about us um, through the local radio stations that I, I was using. And so a lot of people didn't see us on posters. And so I didn't spend as much on that. I still do Facebook. I still do posters. But it, it enabled me to really hone in on where people were hearing about us from. And thanks to your program, I was able to, it really showed me the importance of having a newsletter and having that customer base. Because what we're doing is we're building a brand, we're building a base. Um, you know, people, I've had people that have come to every show since the first one or every show since the third one. Because once, once they get a, a, a hook of our product or once they get a, a taste of our product, they get hooked. And so, you know, it's important to keep that communication up. And our newsletter has been a really big asset. Um, I've really appreciated your emphasis on that. I saw, uh, I saw Mike Goodwin do that, you know, when he came and I thought, man, I've got to get, I've, I've really got to get more on top of this. And so um, I send out our new, I send out about four newsletters in between each show and just say, Hey, it's getting closer or Hey, market calendars, or this is our next comic. But I, I try not to overlap because I'm nervous that if I overlap and tell them, who the lineup is going to be for the next three times, they'll say, oh, I'll just miss this one and go to the next one. So I really try to emphasize on each comic, you know, this is it. This is the one you want to come to. This is the one you don't want to miss. Don't worry about the future ones. We'll deal with them later. This is the one that you want to kind of come and see. So um, that's worked well so far. And um, I'm proud to say we, uh, we broke even on our last show, which was really exciting. That was a big, a big milestone for us. And so, we're still operating in the red, but with each show, we get more people, we get more recognition, and we get more excitement about uh, what's coming up in the future. So I'm very optimistic, but just like anything, you know, you have to be patient and understand it's going to take investment and take slow growth unless you're just a genius, which most of us aren't. So. Right, right. That's great. And so I guess best case scenario, you're able to have, as the show come up, say the next show you have coming up is already booked, you're selling tickets. And then you have the next comic in line for the next one. So at the at that show when it's wrapping up, you can promote the next one. And do you sell any tickets on the way out the door to the next one, or or get the word out, or hand out flyers? I mean, I know it probably doesn't always work out that way. I haven't done that yet, um, just because it, it's it's challenging because th this is essentially a fourth job. I've had to mm -hmm. add this to my other work, and so uh, a lot of times I'm just flying by the seat of my pants and being able to put it on is, is, is a complete miracle because it's really, there is no staff. It's literally me and my wife putting on this whole thing. And so now I will say, if you can get a church involved, if the church gets behind you and they're willing to, to sell tickets or get the word out for you, um, then absolutely you take advantage of that. They want to be part of it. And that's great. My, you know, my church and other churches have said, Hey, you're welcome to, to rent the building. We'll give you a, a great price, but we've got a lot of other things going on. And, I don't ever want to get in the way of the gospel. I know that um, the church is doing a lot of important stuff. And so if they don't want to get on board, that's fine. And honestly, there's advantages to being independent. You know, you get to call the shots and do things your way. Whereas if you work for the church, there can be some compromise on what they will or won't do. So 
if, if a church gets behind you, that's definitely a little easier, but I, I, I have to really be careful about who I hire. And sometimes that's a process. Sometimes it takes, you know, a month to get the comic that I want at the price that I want. Um, because, uh, you know, it's a very narrow market. There's, there's not a ton of people out there that are willing to work clean. And honestly, I don't live in a big city. I live kind of off the beaten path. We don't have a ton of stuff come through here because we're on the coast. You know, most people go to the big cities like Raleigh and Charlotte. Um, but you know, we're, we're a little closer to the coast and so we're a little just further away. So it's also tougher to get people to come here. Um, that uh, would normally go to a bigger city. So I'd love to grow. I'd love to expand. I'd love to have it grow even bigger, but with it not being my primary job, it's really only meant to be a side hustle. And it's, you know, um, it's just a a lot more than I thought it would be. So I'm not going to give up on it. I love working on it. We've had great success, but I wish I could do more, but at this time it's just, you know, it's just taking a lot of patience. Sure. Sure. Sometimes I don't think people realize, uh, comics who, are lucky enough to be booked on a show, how much goes on behind the scenes just to get the show to happen. So, um, yeah. And you know, it's, it's a good eye opener. I'm, I've maybe produced a couple of shows here and there and some graduation classes. And that's like you say, even, even a small show like that takes a lot of extra time and you got to figure out how to get it promoted correctly. So you also don't want to, you know, the, the, the danger is you don't want to ruin the brand either. If you spend too little and bring in a comic who doesn't know what they're doing, they'll derail your brand. If they put on a bad show, then people say, well, I can't trust, you know, clean getaway. I can't trust the bleep free or whatever. You know, you have to be, you can't spend too little either. So it's a very, very careful balancing act. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you also do a lot of corporate events and you were talking about customer service earlier with the corporate events. I know you customize a good chunk of the show. Um, could you give us some insight into some things that you do to customize it that, that pay off and some questions you ask to get the kind of material and info you need to build some jokes around? Certainly. Well, it, it all started from, from necessity. You know, I, I only had about half an hour of material, but the contracts were saying, you know, we need 45 minutes. And so it was either, it's kind of a sink <laughs> or swim, which is a great way to learn. You know, you talk to, you talk to guys like Bob Smiley who had to sink or swim on very hard shows being outdoors opening for a concert. So it's a great way to learn. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I, you, you follow the rules and sometimes you break the rule and you say yes, you know, to kind of force you to, to crack you into shape. And so I started saying yes to some of these 45 minute shows and I would just say, all right, well, what I got to do is I got to do some crowd work. I had a buddy that was really good at it. So I, I studied him. I said, what do you do to do crowd work? You know, are you just that good at improv? Because, well, part of it's improv, but part of it is studying the crowd ahead of time. You know, I, I walk out and I see who's there and I, I cheat a little. I look at who's in the crowd and who I can talk to and maybe something to look like it's off the cuff. And so um, I kind of just built that muscle, the muscle that just built like being in the gym. I started customizing shows and then it just became, you know, something that came very naturally. And so I started really making that intentional. And turns out, People love hearing about themselves. People like themselves. And so when you make the show about them as opposed to yourself at first, you know, they really appreciate that. And it, they, they trust you that you're a naturally funny person. You're a person that can make jokes about anything, not just a rehearsed, you know, hour that, you know, you memorized and committed to memory that has nothing to do with them. So what I do now um, is I, I call them ahead and I say, hey, I want to make the show about you and I want to tailor fit it to be as much about you guys. And so, you know, let me, how can I serve you? If you tell me who's always late or 
who, you know, um, is really uh, organized or who's just a big, you know, Bears fan or something like that. Anything is helpful. You know, the more you send me, the more I can sift through. And so uh, my wife is actually my writing partner. It helps me married to someone who's funnier than you and hilarious. And, and we'll just, we'll go down the list and see if we can write jokes. And um, I study their Facebook. I study their social media. I study um, their website. You know, when I go and perform for a college, I look at the college website. All the kids are very active on social media. And so, um, you know, you use anything at your disposal. You can look at the room, you know, talk about the room, talk about, you know, what a, what a year's been for them. And uh, on the same level, don't talk about bad stuff. Ask if there's things you can avoid. Is there anything that you need me to steer clear of? That especially, you know, is, is good to know at, at some churches. Now, you want to be careful as, as, as far as asking that because it kind of gets them thinking like, oh, no, is there something you might say? So I try to figure out the taboo stuff on my own. You know, even though it's clean, there are certain subjects just to steer clear of in general, like like politics or, you know, religion if it's a corporate event. But, you know, and, and it takes time and it's, it's an investment of time. But corporate shows also pay more. You know, I don't do this kind of research for a club um, because it's, you know, it, uh, you can kind of just do your regular universal stuff, but for a corporation, they're also paying you a lot more. And so to me, it's worth that time to keep getting hired at corporate shows to put in that little extra effort. And, uh, and <laughs> as a third tier, it's also helpful to just write. It, it, it's good practice to, you know, write some stuff and to, to get used to um, writing jokes about the information that comes into your life. And so it really works on a lot of levels. And I would, I would definitely recommend it. It, it, it. It's like crowd work, but for a corporate crowd. So I know that was a lot, but uh, it, it's uh, it's been a very big part of what I do. No, it's super insightful. And I'm sure, too, over time, you find a few uh, go-to lines that kind of work regardless of the company. You just kind of plug the guy in that, that fits that demo and the joke. and then Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've, I've, developed a new, I've developed a new opener because of that. And openers are the hardest jokes to write, in my opinion. So... I wrote a joke for a company. It turns out it was very applicable to other companies too. And I thought, well, shoot, I just wrote me a new opener. That's, you know, that's a, uh, that's a big feat. Yeah. It's priceless having new openers. That's the most important joke you tell in the show, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and kind of along those lines. So, you know, you've got your material, you've got the customized material for this particular client. How, how off or how soon do you get into that customized material? Do you kind of establish yourself first and then kind of ease into it or is it, I'm sure it varies a little bit, but is, is it a spot that works best? That's a very good question. Um, well, uh, customized stuff is always high risk, high reward. Um, I've gotten really good at it. So, you know, I, I get the benefit of the high reward area, um, but it definitely was bumpy starting, you know, because I think one of the your podcasts maybe one or two times ago talked about how you start the show bad or, you know, if it's new and not tested, it could kind of go south. But, you know, luckily I've been doing it for so long now that I can kind of lean on it being pretty good. Um, I do it right off the bat. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a, a comedy club where everyone can see each other and you do crowd work, you know, you get your crowd work out in the beginning. It, it really helps establish a connection with the people that you're, um, that you're performing for. Now, I always have a self-deprecation element in there too, because you don't want to make fun of other people without kind of poking fun at yourself, you know? So I, I, I kind of I found a way to, to really be able to mix it in. Now I, I typically do it right off the bat at the very beginning because that information is new. And again, it builds trust that this guy can write jokes about anything. He's not just, you know, 
rehearsing something he memorized. It's uh, it's something he obviously did very recently because he he's not a part of our company. Now I have had a comic. You know, one of the most valuable things you can do is have a comic come and watch you. I had a, a comic that you know come and see me do a show because I was in I was in her town and she was like, you know, that customized stuff was some of the best best parts of the show. You should spread that out. Try it at the beginning. Try some in the middle, and end on it too. And I thought, well, that certainly is a that's certainly something I could definitely try. The hard thing about trying new stuff with corporate shows is that the corporate shows are paying you so much money that you really don't want to risk it. You know, when there's that amount of money on the line, it's really dangerous to try new stuff and not just have it be a 100. So I'm always very hesitant. And like I said, I'm not, I don't tend to be a risky person and it makes me very nervous to try to, you know, try new things. But I thought, that might be a good suggestion. I definitely might try that. So I'm always open to new things while recognizing, you know, the definites of what works. Right. And, you know, the good thing about trying it out early in the show and if it's successful is you can have some callbacks throughout the show and maybe, even, you know, yeah, wrap up on something that was big. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And along the same lines, do you have a couple of uh, fallback lines or, or saver lines for when something just like brand new falls completely flat just to kind of get the show back on track real quick. <laughs> um, I do, but I always think about it after the show's over, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's always, it's always, Oh, that would have been so good to say, you know, but some, uh, I, I wish I had more kind of in my, in my back pocket, but you know, luckily at most corporate shows, you don't get heckled that much. You know, it's, it's very rare. These are professional people who are having a good time and, you know, uh, being pretty well behaved they're, they're 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 pretty you know good citizens and so if they're if they're at a company that can afford uh corporate comedy so um it, it's rare i did have um i was at one corporate show years ago and a drunk employee stormed the stage grabbed the mic and started you know f-bombing and saying this and saying that and i didn't know what to do because that had never happened before you know i never expected it and so right. finally a manager pulled the guy down and i was like you know i was just like all right moving on like i didn't know what to say and later it was around the same time the whole kanye uh taylor swift thing happened i said oh why didn't i say like oh i just got kanye or something you know like i just you, those, you always think of things a little bit later and it just kind of slips through my fingers and so um, I do have a, you know, a couple things in my back pocket, but I, I, that's definitely something I need to improve on for sure. Um, it happens a little more in the club. It, it's tougher because in the club, you don't want to get mean, you know, sometimes the hecklers, I, I would love to find a kind way to neutralize the heckler. Cause sometimes I've been heckled at a comedy club and I'll just lay into the person and it just gets really mean. And I thought, man, is that the kind of guy I want to be? You know, I definitely won the crowd back and I, shut that guy down but you know as a as a believer someone who considers himself a pretty you know hopefully jesus-like kind of guy like was that the right move and so uh i i gotta work on that for sure it should be one of my uh 2019 goals that you talked about in your last podcast for sure it is tricky you know just outside of being religious it's hard to be the fun likable guy and then to step away from that and totally show an anger side then hop back into the fun part of the show yeah. What do you got coming up this year that you're excited about? Anything you want to share with folks? Well, I'm always excited about um, I'm excited about the shows. You know, I've got uh, I've got my first two comics lined up, and again, I'm only doing it quarterly, so 
even getting one comic ahead is pretty exciting. It's always hard to find one during the summer, but I'm excited about building that brand. Um, I've applied to um, a couple of festivals, I've, which I never do. Cause again, I, I'm trying to learn to be more risky, you know? Um, but when you have, you know, two kids and you're, you're on a budget, you know, it's very tough. I'd love to come to the, uh, I'd love to come to the, the, to the CCA conference. That's always a challenge. I'd love to do the clean comedy challenge with, uh, Leslie Townsend Norris. And so they, I got a lot of things I want to do and I'm, I'm praying and hoping that the right provisions come in to do that. Um, so, uh, those are kind of the three, the festivals, CCA clean comedy challenge. I, I certainly would like to do for certain. I'm excited about the, just building the brand, um, getting better footage. Um, I'm trying to apply to, to dry bar, trying to get more on serious. A, a lot of the stuff you talk about actually, I was really proud and happy when I got my, my first album on Pandora. I know that wasn't, that's not something that's a huge feat, but it was definitely exciting for me. So I'm in the process now. I, I went ahead and submitted my stuff to, but I submitted my second album to Pandora. So hopefully that gets picked up and I'll, I'm going to try to submit my second one to, to Sirius as well. My, uh, just all cards on the table. My first one got rejected from Sirius. So I'm hoping my second one gets, uh, gets accepted. Um, you know, just, uh, just I got I got a whole list, so I, I know that was a lot too. But I'm always I'm always open to new goals too. But yeah, uh, again, life is so busy with my one year old, my three year old. I work a second job still, just because again <laughs> I'm too scared to quit, and uh, you know um, just uh, trying to spin a lot of plates right now. And my wife works. My wife works too, and her job is very important. I want to support her and her career the same way she's been so supportive of mine. Yeah, I was thinking along those same lines. Can you give us any tips as how to keep, uh, you know, there's a lot of plates in the air. You can't keep everybody 100% happy 100% of the time. But what are some things that you do in your household that kind of help help smooth over the, the travel and the being away and then the stress of the, the side hustle? Well, num- number one's prayer. You know, the, the good book tells us if we seek first the kingdom, you know, he'll take care of us in the rest of the areas of our lives. And so I try to make sharing the gospel a part of my life you know, what am I doing to, to further that? And if I'm not doing that, well, then what am I doing? You know, so make sure your, your spiritual tank is filled and, and that should be the most important thing and, and be okay with saying no to some things. You know, I've been, a, I've been fortunate enough to come to a couple CCA conferences and, you know, I've had to miss one or two just cause it, it wasn't the right time or I had a gig or the, the finances weren't where they need to be. So no one to say yes and, and no one to say no. I, I wanted to do the clean comedy challenge for years, you know, but really, you got to find out what is what is the most important. You know, I, I have a lot of friends that are ride or die comedy, and it really costs them a lot. I'm not I'm not ride or die. I'm not willing to sacrifice my marriage. I'm not willing to to sacrifice being a dad. Um, you know, I'm I'm I've had friends tell me, you know, I should go on tour or move to L.A. and it's just, you know, I can't do it. You know, I'm not going to be gone. I refuse to be gone for months at a time, and I refuse to jeopardize, you know, my kid's college fund for, you know just because I think I'm Tim Hawkins or something, you know? Right, right. I think it's just knowing your priorities has been it for me. I, I mean, I love my kids to death. I don't know how Ed Wiley does it with that many children. <laughs> putting, putting God first, putting your family first, putting your marriage first, and just realizing that comedy isn't the end-all be-all. It's not your life. It shouldn't be, you know? It, it can be part of your identity, but Really, if, if you call yourself a true believer, you know, Jesus should be your identity. Now, look, if, if that's not you, if, if you believe something different, then absolutely give it your all, you know, make it definitely a priority. Um, 
but just, just, you got to really be a real, I, I'm realistic. I'm not delusional. I know I'm not a genius, but I know that it, there, there's possibilities and it's going to take hard work. So just kind of trying to find that balance of, of priorities and, and, uh, being real, but also taking risks. So it, it's a, it's a crazy wheel. <laughs> That's good stuff. And I think I just realized the title of this episode will be, I know I'm not a genius, John Feltz. <laughs> that should be the name of my next album. <laughs> Again, a lot go go into a, what's wrong with going into things with humility. You know, look at right. Dustin Nickerson. Dustin Nickerson's whole thing was average comedy. Well, we know he's above average. Right, right. He's out there. He's out. He's out there crushing it. So you know, I think the, approaching things with as much humility as possible, and that's a challenge for any of us. Uh, is, is just the the hands down um, you know best way you can do it. Now you don't want to be you know you don't want to be too shy. Comedy requires confidence, but you know don't. To me, it's a lot easier to understand what's real than to try to try to try to fake your way out there. So, right, no, I 100% agree to that. A lot of comics, you have to have a, a tiny percent of delusion to uh, get into it. But if if it overtakes your reality, uh, that's when you see a lot of people burn out. I was I was 100% delusional when I got into it. Again, I looked at it and thought it was easy. I thought, here's what I'll do: I'll quit my job. And Tim Hawkins will see my stuff and I'll just go on tour with Tim Hawkins and the, you know, the first year of comedy, like you just have these delusions of, yeah, uh, people will see my stuff on YouTube and they'll think I'm a genius and <laughs> you know, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be on a, a tour bus in six months, you know, and right, unless right. you're, unless you are a genius, you know, that's just, that's just not practical. So it's a very quick learning process of, what, you know, reality, what's going to happen. But, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take risks and, you know, just be, just be careful, you know. Funny. It, that, that's true. And it made me think about when I first started, uh, you know, Jeff Foxworthy was big and I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a bunch of jokes called you might not be a redneck if, and I'll just do that. <laughs> and none of, none of that worked. We all think we're special, but then you go, I mean, I was like, gosh, clean comedy, you know, I'm in such a niche market. This is great. But then you, you look at all the comedians on dry bar and you're like, wow, there's a lot of people willing to work clean now, you know? So mm -hmm. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to really shape up. You can't, you don't want to be complacent or content, which is very easy to do. Even if you have a, an ounce of success, if, if I could give any advice, it's that the new market is uh, viral videos, you know? Um, I made a funny video that went semi-viral in 2011 and I was like, great, that was a fun video. I played it before some shows, got tons of views and then I never made another video. And I, that was such a stupid move. You know, if I'd ridden that momentum, you know, and I mean, just look at, look at what John Chris does, you know, his career exploded because of the following he got online, you know, people would, he, he said this, that people would ask him, like, I didn't know you even did stand up, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that insane. And so I, you know, if there are some different moves I wish I'd made, that was definitely one of them. But, you know, just like getting footage for, for uh, comedy, getting footage for, for sketch comedy is extremely difficult. It's costly. It's, uh, it's time consuming and uh, it's risky, you know? And so I've, uh, as someone who, you know, avoids risk, it's been hard for me to, to really uh, make that a part of what I do. But once you get it, you know, uh, it, it, it'll definitely carry you for a little bit. Yeah, it's one of my goals for this year, too, is to put out more videos off stage. A, you can control the quality, the sound, the lights, 
all that stuff a whole lot better than the average show with the camera set up in the back of the room. Control. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just control one thing. Good stuff, man. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, John. I know we've talked about getting you on here for a while. I'm glad we finally did. Oh, man, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and if you don't mind, go ahead and give them the uh, the dot .com or where they can go to find about the, the Clean Getaway and then also about yourself. Oh, for sure. So, uh, well, cleangetawaycomedy.com was my site for my personal comedy when I was trying to get it started. Um, thank God I finally got, um, had someone help me out and get johnfeltcomedy.com is my official website. So johnfeltcomedy.com is my official website. It's got clips. It's got, you know, where I'll be. It's got reviews, testimonials. And then I used the Clean Getaway site, you know, as one that was already built for the, the, the room that I, I run here. So cleangetawaycomedy.com. I still, I still post my personal stuff on there just because that's what helps fund it. And it's a good journal, um, but that'll tell you who our next comic is. It's where you can buy tickets, and it's where you can learn a little bit more about what we do. Sounds great. Hey, John, thanks again. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that episode with John Feltz. thought he gave us some very sincere insight on not only how to customize your material for different clients, but how to produce your own show and manage some life-family balance at home. Thanks, John, for sharing that info. Thanks again to Jeremy Lee for sponsoring the podcast through Patreon. You can find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash school of laughs. And if you'd like to see me at any of the live shows coming up, I've got free tickets, no charge, January 20th in Whiteville, North Carolina. Centralia, Washington on the 25th of January, Raymond, Washington on the 26th. Those are both up in the Seattle area, south of Seattle. And again, February 1st and 7th in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just north of Nashville at TBN Studios, where we record The Huckabee Show. And lastly, if you listened to the last episode about setting goals for 2019, the Goals Tracker Worksheet is still available. If you're an Insider Tip Sheet member, you should have already gotten a link to that in the last newsletter. If you didn't read the newsletter, hey, there's a good reason to go back and click that link. If you're not part of the Insider Tip Sheet newsletter, it's free. Shoot me an email, schooloflastgmail.com, and request to get on there. All right, you guys. In case you didn't catch it, the email for this is schooloflast at gmail.com. I feel like I said that 30 times. I need to do better at these end-of-the-show notes. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. God bless you. Stay safe and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.